exclamation point on a near perfect season. Mark Truex Jr. is the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series champion. He'll never be introduced the same way again. From now on, it'll be willpower Indianapolis 500 winner for 2018. Checker flag. Power and Pesky win it. Kyle Busch. And here comes Larson. Larson to the bottom of the track. Side job. Trying to take the lead away. Side job. Almost. The momentum. The contact. 18. They make contact. The 18 in the wall. NASCAR, IndyCar, and all things motorsports. It's time for the left turn here on X106.7. Now, here's your hosts, Jacob Blair and Trevor Mayer. Welcome into the left turn. I'm Jacob Blair. Alongside me is Trevor Mater. And for the first time in, well, the history of NASCAR, we ran a Roval over the weekend. Yeah, if you're not familiar with what a Roval is, it's kind of like a road course. It's kind of like an oval. It's uh, both, hence the, the term Roval. You don't see a lot of those uh, in the stock car circuit ever. But NASCAR, they just said, you know what? Why don't we? People have been wanting a, a road course in the playoffs why don't we go ahead and add it? And, and it was an interesting race, to say the least, with the Roval at Charlotte yesterday. Well, with it being a cutoff race in the playoffs, you also saw the, the drivers that decided, I'm going to get the, the stage points to try to make it a little bit easier for the, the end of the race. And the drivers that did that, you saw that play benefits later on when these drivers had those issues at the end of this race. Yeah, it was a, a wild race. This was the most excited I had been for a race that isn't the Daytona 500 or the championship race at Homestead in probably five or six years. Just I was so curious of going into it with it being a cutoff race. How are these guys going to strategize? Um, what's, the, what's the track going to end up looking like? How big of a learning curve is it going to be for those guys? And actually early on the race, with the exception of a handful of guys, it was pretty mellow. And then uh, towards the end of the race, as you know, uh, all mayhem did break loose at the end of the race. Yeah, as it was uh, early on, it was, it was Kyle Larson that, that had a really fast car. We saw Brad Keselowski had Jimmy a fast Johnson. car. Jimmy Johnson was there. But Kyle Larson ends up winning stage one, and that's where the, the good of his day pretty much stopped as he had to fight for it. And we'll get to the, the way the race ended that now, race. and we'll talk about you know the, the middle of it later. But at the end of the race, you've got Jimmy Johnson, who – at this point, he is locked into the playoffs where he sits in second, but he's did the back bumper of Martin Truex. Should you Jr. go back maybe a little bit further before that? Well, I mean, you can go no, back to right. there, there was. It, I mean, it, the last ten laps yeah, were it looked, insane. It looked as though the, the race was going to go green till the end, and then Ricky Stenhouse Jr. hits the wall, and we shocker. Yeah, yeah, yeah shocker there. But, Ricky Stenhouse. <laughs> but we get, we get a caution, and you know th these these drivers hadn't really had a restart on old tires. Yeah. And then pretty much the first eight guys all missed turn one on that restart well, with, with about six laps to go. And Brad Keselowski, for the race leader, I mean, it looked like he didn't even turn the car going in, into that first corner. The way it hooked in. So I don't know what Kyle Larson was doing. I'm not sure if he was following or, or what he was doing. I actually I didn't get a chance to see it live. I had switched away. There was a football game in overtime, and I had switched away for just a minute. because so I was like, oh, there's a caution. I'll come back for green. I came back, and there was another caution. But I don't know what, what, what Larson was doing. And then from there, it was just kind of an accordion effect. Well, when you, when you look at the restart and, and where it was, if you, if you look at it beyond where you know, Keselowski missed the corner the worst, but all those guys that ended up hitting him, they also missed the corner. Mm -hmm. What I think Larson was doing is he saw that, that Keselowski was locked up, and he knew if, if he went into the corner where he was, it was going to be, instead of Keselowski going to the wall, it was going to be the side of the 42 car. So he was trying to avoid that situation. But at that point, then he had the, the trouble and wasn't able to to get his car where he needed to because at that point he was having trouble with the brakes. He gets in there, but, but William Byron, Paul Menard, Kyle Busch, Kyle Bush, they all missed that corner. Well, and that Bush, had nothing Bush to do was, with Brad Keselowski. Bush was one of those guys in, in his post-race interview. He said, well, I just think you know we're not smart enough to make the corner. And Bush was one of those guys that missed the corner really bad too. And then when he missed the corner, the way his car hit the wall, he came back across the track and collected Daniel Hemrick, who was having a really good run, uh, among others. And just a, a melee there at the end of the race to, I guess, kind of set the – it was a calm before the storm. That wasn't even the craziest part of the race. Yeah, and w that one, it took – you know, Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch, the good thing for them is they were already locked in. Yes. At that point, Kyle Larson was not, and he was in, in, in trouble this at that point. Was, 
his, his whole bad. right front suspension was gone. I don't know how he was able to keep that car in the racetrack. We'll get to what happened here in a little bit. Eric Almarola and Alex Bowman at that point, they were pretty much tied. Well, and and Al Eric Almarola, he was involved in, in a crash earlier when he had to... Had two different crashes. To, to dodge some things that happened in front yeah. of him. They weren't of his doing. But he... He was out outside the playoffs looking, and he had to pick up a bunch of positions. Clint Boyer had to do the same thing. Alex Bowman was there as well, and these guys were all passing guys, and the points were shifting in this last little three-lap stint. It was bananas. And then you had Jimmy Johnson that was sitting 10 points to the good. Kyle Larson, by the end of it, he was sitting one point out when you get to that last lap. And then Jimmy Johnson, Martin Truex Jr. Jimmy Johnson was about a half second back and then had an excellent bus stop on the backstretch, got to Martin Truex back bumper, and then this race got even crazier. Yeah, I remember watching when he came down the front stretch. I thought, man, he's going to have a chance going into the, the last chicane before you get into the start finish line. And we saw throughout the, the Xfinity race on Saturday and the cup race on Sunday, it was all about breaking into that corner. And if you can get to the back bumper, you have an opportunity. And uh, Jimmy just locked the brakes up, coming into that final corner, and he slid. And when he slid across the the chicane he ended up collecting the 78 of martin truex jr twos already locked in but uh denies truex the opportunity for a race win and ryan blaney who had a good race he won a stage he won stage two and didn't have a bad race by any means but probably had the third best car by the time all the mayhem settled out ends up scooting away with the win and that wasn't and there was a lot of other bizarre stuff other than that that happened yeah it, with, with the points really is where you look at it is kyle larson was out yes he, he going was, into that final turn, he the, was out. Going into the final turn, he was out. Jimmy Johnson was solidly in by about eight seven or nine, points, eight seven, points. eight, nine points. I don't remember exactly how much it was, but he ends up wrecking. NASCAR put together a rule with, with that chicane there on the front straightaway. You miss the chicane, you stop on the front stretch. It, it doesn't matter. And they, they set the rules, so there was really no gray area with this rule. If you miss it, you stop. It doesn't matter why you miss it. And... and so Jimmy had to stop, so then he loses those seven or eight spots and goes back. Kyle Larson's car's destroyed. He rolls around the, the oval portion in three and four. He's in the wall. He, he can't even get this car yeah, to turn. It's bad. Rolls through the braking area. There was, a, there was a wreck at the back of the main field where Jeffrey Earnhardt w was sitting on the front stretch. Kyle Larson rolls through the shoe, hits the wall again, makes the pass and it was a pass-four position that ended up getting Kyle Larson enough points to be tied with, with Eric, Eric Almarola and, and Jimmy Johnson. Johnson. And the fact, I mean, Kyle Larson bounced it off the wall to get speed. You can hear his crew chief, Chad Johnson, saying, bounce it off the wall, bounce it off the wall, which is awesome to begin with. And he barely beats Jeffrey Earnhardt to the line. And you go back even before that, on that last restart, when you've got Jimmy Johnson comfortably, and then it's looking like it's a battle between Eric Almarola and Kyle Larson, we got to acknowledge the driving Eric Almarola was doing in those final couple laps, I mean, he was driving like a maniac. You could tell that he knew what he had to do and was in a, was in a position that he would have advanced. Yeah, and, and Alex Bowman really did the same thing. Is, is he, was, he ended up finishing fourth in this race, and he was sitting seventh or eighth and needed to get those couple last points and got those points. But, but with Jimmy Johnson, Eric Almarola, and Kyle Larson, then at that point all tied for that, Really, the, the seventh position, so it's seventh, eighth, or sorry, not seventh, eighth, we're, we're round ahead. It was 11th, 12th, 13th. You, you had that, that tiebreaker, and the tiebreaker goes to the best finish. So Kyle Larson, he, he got a second and was credited with that. Eric Amarola was fifth, and then Jimmy's best finish was eighth. So he was the one driver that w was one of the four drivers that did not advance from this round. Yeah, it was, it was wild. Um, and there's going to be, all, there's been a lot of people that have said what Johnson did is ignorant. And, I mean, you can say, yeah, he, he would have been in had he settled for a second. However, I will also argue that these guys are all race car drivers. They're competitive. But, I mean, they're, they're wired differently than we are. That's why they're doing what they do. And this is a team with Jimmy Johnson that has struggled some this year. They, they're used to winning four, five, six, seven, eight races a year. And this year they've been struggling to crack the top five. I think he was hungry. I think he looked at it as this might be my best opportunity to win a race. He wasn't thinking about the long-term picture. He was thinking about how do I get the win and give myself some momentum going into the round of 12. And it was just one of those racing things. I mean, it wasn't intentional. The brakes locked up. Truex locked his brakes up, too, going into that corner before Johnson even hit him. And it was just one of those things. Yeah, and when, when you talk about that, is, is 
Jimmy's been struggling this season. Yes. So even if he, say, stays second and moves on to the round of 12, there, there's been nothing that says he's going to go any further than that. You get the win. You then get five more bonus points. You've now won a race. So and you're, going you're into not a, thinking about this and while you're going you're, into a track that he historically is, is the greatest of all time at in Dover. So w when you're looking at that, he, he made – he, he didn't think about this while he was in the car, but going for the win might have been the better option in terms of do I, am I going to try to get to the round of four? Just finishing second, you're probably not going to get that done. No. You don't pick up any bonus points. You finish second, but then you're going to be kicking yourself later because you're like, I had, a, I had a run going into that final you know, right-hand turn, the last chicane, didn't do anything with it to make well, the playoffs. You don't want to be able to look yourself in the mirror after that race and w when you had a race win right there in front of you. And it's not like he was a second and a half behind going in that final quarter and threw in some nasty slider that he had no chance of making stick. He was right there with a chance to win. Why would any other driver, Kyle Busch would have done the same thing. Brad Keselowski would have done the same thing. Kyle Larson has done the same thing. You look at a guy like Noah Gragson in the lower levels. They're not going to settle for a second when the win is right there. They're just not going to. That's not how they're wired. It, it, and why would you do that for Jimmy Johnson? And that's not it really with the way all the importance winning that's that's put on and the, in the importance that is put on winning for the season. I don't know why you wouldn't go try to win these yeah. races because Jimmy's sitting there with really no bonus points this season. You go get five. That's five positions that you don't have to worry about the next round. And and with the way he's run, like we've said, I don't think he would have gotten enough points through the round of twelve to end up moving on so it, it wasn't as bad as look my my issue with the way that this all ended was we saw it a couple times throughout the day but nascar put together a rule because they saw this in practice guys were missing you know, the, this chicane on the front stretch the entire weekend they they mandated a, a rule in the race you miss the chicane you stop on the front straight away you miss the bus stop you do the same thing you, you stop on the front straight away basically like a penalty box my issue is that is the guys that spun and then went through the grass and, and had to get their cars fired back up and there's going, no advantage to it they had to stop as well so they've already been penalized because well we got in an incident we spun around that, that that's already their penalty now you're going to make them stop on the front straightaway and even though jimmy made that mistake that was really why he fell out of the playoffs is he he spun out and then he had to come to and a complete stop. And then he had stop. to come to a complete stop. So he might have... He, if he doesn't come to a complete stop, I think he wins the race. It, it would have been a drag race Between with, with Blaney, Blaney. But then he finishes... Let's say Blaney does still get it. He finishes second. He's in the playoffs. Yeah. He, he They were a second and a half, two seconds in front of Blaney at that point. You, you Johnson, you know, he, he at that point, you know, already paid his penalty. You're, when you miss that chicane, you're only picking up maybe half a second. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Well, it's not like he was gaining speed or anything through it. I mean, he was spinning out. Yeah. So I, I think, and that's where one thing, when you look at the, the Roval, there's some things they're going to, the fix that they decide to do this again. It, was the, it was the first try at this. They'll look at that rule and they'll say, well, if guys are spinning out, we shouldn't make them stop again. It's meant more <laughs> for you, 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 you lock them up. So instead of trying to make the corner, you just drive straight through the corner. At that point, you're going you're gonna to pick up some speed. You might pick up some positions, give those positions back, stop in the racetrack. That makes sense. But you, you go back to earlier on the race on a restart, going into that first corner, um, Kyle Busch missed the corner going into that one. I think he was running eighth or ninth, and he lost the spot. And they were saying, well, that's going to be a penalty. And NASCAR decided, no, no, no penalty. You've lost positions. I don't see how that's any different. I mean, it, it, there was no advantage to it whatsoever. And if he doesn't come to a complete stop on the front stretch, if he doesn't win the race, he's taking home second or third. And he's on to the next round. And then it's a tiebreaker between Kyle Larson and Eric Amarola, so, which would have eliminated Amarola. Yep. So. so when we look at the rundown for the way these guys finished, again, it was Ryan Blaney that ended up with the win. Jamie McMurray, a good run in that one car to finish second. Clint Boyer did everything he had to do to move on to the next round. He finished third. Alex Bowman, another one of those drivers that – did everything he possibly could to move on. He finished fourth. Kurt Busch was in fifth. Chase Elliott, sixth. A.J. Allmendinger, seventh. Jimmy Johnson fell back to that eighth position. Kevin Harvick finished ninth. Joey Logano, tenth. And then when you look at the other playoff drivers, it was Denny Hamlin in twelfth. Martin Truex Jr. in fourteenth. Eric Amarola in nineteenth. Kyle Larson in the twenty-fifth position. Eric Jones, thirtieth. Brad Keselowski, thirty-first. Kyle Busch, thirty-second and then Austin Dillon, 39th. So then when you look at the playoffs where these guys finished, it was Austin Dillon, Denny Hamlin, Eric Jones, and Jimmy Johnson, the four, not advancing to the round of 12. 
And when you looking at those four, three of those four guys just had bad days. Jimmy Johnson, up until that final corner, had a did everything he needed to do to get to the round of 12. I was fully prepared going into that last lap, thinking, okay, I'm going to come into today talking about how Jimmy ran exactly the race he needed to, and maybe this team's going to find something. And then, like we said, all mayhem broke loose. But Austin Dillon just didn't have a good day. Not a particularly great road racer to begin with. Found himself in a, in a couple incidents, was um, caught up. He ended up hitting the wall um, in, in the race and retiring early. Eric Jones had to start in the back with a backup car. And he couldn't catch a break that he, race. He could, he he could not catch a every break. Every wrong lane he could be in on restarts, he w- was in that. But that's what happens when you have one bad race in the playoffs and you're chasing it the rest of the time. And, you know, for for Austin Dillon, he makes – what caused him is he had to avoid a, a slowing car, make make a move. And the these, these cars are on, on the oval. They're not set up for ovals. So when you got to make a move like that, they're going to lose grip very quickly. He ends up in the wall and then later ends up blowing a tire that ends his day. Eric Jones had those troubles. Jimmy Johnson was – but the, the one I was really shocked and the one that just honestly looked terrible throughout this round of 12 was Denny – or round of 16 was Denny He Hamlin. just didn't look good. And he hasn't been the most successful at Vegas. And he's he's a decent road co- – I mean, he's on a terrible road course racer. But Richmond's kind of been – it's his home track. And he didn't run well at Richmond either. I mean, he wasn't terrible, but he wasn't good. And then yesterday he also – just everything that could go wrong could. He gets a flat spot on the tire early on, basically from the initial restart when everyone bottlenecks up. And then was just kind of playing from behind all day. Still manages a 12th place finish, which, again, isn't terrible, but it definitely wasn't what he needed to do. And uh, Denny Hamlin on the outside now as they go into the round of 12. And uh, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that Denny Hamlin and Jimmy Johnson would be eliminated in the round of 12 and that Eric Almarola would be in to the round of 12, I don't think I would have believed you. I don't think a lot of people would have believed you. And for, if, you're, if you're Joe Gibbs racing right now, you're not very happy because all you've got left is Kyle Busch. That, that's the one good thing is you didn't lose Kyle in this round, but you've lost your other two cars, so now you're just down to to Kyle Busch, and you're, you're going to go full you know, ahead with him. Well, and, then, and, and you look at the breakdown, Stuart Haas, they've got all four cars still in. Uh, Penske's got all three cars in, and um, Hendrick's got two cars in. So, I mean, they were really close to being able to get three cars in, and then Chip Ganassi's got one car in, and uh, Furniture Row and Joe Gibbs all have one car in. And so when you look at the round of 12, which will start this upcoming week at Dover, Kyle Busch will start the round 47 points ahead of the cut line. Kevin Harvick will start 42. Martin Trix Jr., 30. Those are the three drivers that have a lot of room to work with. After that, Brad Keselowski, he sits fourth, uh, seated fourth at 17 above the cut line. Clint Boyer will be fifth, seven above the cut line. Joey Logano and Kurt Busch will both start six above the cut line. Ryan Blaney, five above the cut line. And the four drivers that right now are below that cut line to start the round of 12 are Chase Elliott, five back. Kyle Larson, seven back. Eric Almarola, 12 back. And then Alex Bowman, 13 back. Yeah, and I don't think the – when you look at the top three with Bush, Harvick, and Truex, I don't think it's as given in this round that they advance as it was the first one because, one, the deficit dwindles, and, two, you look at the tracks, you've got Dover, which Bush doesn't run the greatest at, Harvick doesn't run the greatest at, Truex has had some success there in years past, and then you've got Talladega, which is just as big of a wild card as the Roval. There's a really good chance – I mean, if Kyle Bush has a bad run at Dover, then he's sweating it going into Talladega. Well, and then there's Kansas sitting after that, which we know is a weird a racetrack that shouldn't seem like it causes guys a lot of problems, but it, but does, it does. It does. So you've got three tracks that this upcoming where Dover, that's a track where someone can make a mistake and you can get caught up real quick, not of your own doing. Talladega, obviously, someone can make a mistake and you'll be taken and out. Kansas and someone can will. just be weird things. And Kansas is just weird. And it's going to make, if you're, like you said, if you're Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex, you're not as, you don't feel as safe in this round as you, as you did starting the round of 16. I think Truex has, if I had to pick one of them that I don't think will make it out of this round, I would say probably Kyle Busch, just because we've seen kind of the drop off with Gibbs cars other than him, and he's kind of found some bad luck lately. Um, I think Truex is the most likely of those three to advance, given that he, he how good he runs at Kansas. Um, and he's he tends to be able to, stay out of the trouble at restrictor play tracks and then also he runs pretty well at Dover so that'd be that'd be my pick of the one to definitely make it out 
but I mean, still, you've, you've got to run three races, and you're not nearly as safe as you were going into the round of 16. So the Roval has made things very interesting in yes. the NASCAR championship, and we'll go ahead and take a quick break on the left turn, but when we get back, we're going to talk more Roval. We're going to talk about what happened in the Xfinity Series race, and we're going to break down what we liked, what we didn't like about the Roval at Charlotte. <laughs> the left turn jacob blair trevor mater with you and we'll now look at the xfinity series from the roval and if the cup series was wild this one was just equally as wild as it was chase briscoe that ended up with the win i think it was more surprising i don't know if wild would be the right word it was i think it was more calm actually than the cup series race i think everyone might have at least the start of it was and i think that's the fear everyone had going into it they all minded their own business. They raced the racetrack instead of each other, and then by the time it was time to go, everyone was all a little bit too spaced out to really cause the, the yeah. mayhem we saw with the Cup and Series. You know, we talked about it last week. We said, as wild as the Cup race is probably going to be, think of what the Xfinity race is going to be like when you've got guys that are less experienced and, on, in some cases, on lesser equipment. And then after watching the Cup practices on Friday, some of it, and then the Xfinity qualifying on Saturday, I thought, man, these guys are going to tear a lot of stuff up. And really... In the Xfinity race, like you said, they they got all they got enough space between them that I mean there were there was still some excitement, but uh, it wasn't as frantic. But uh, Briscoe just ran a perfect race. And what they said, you know, what his crew chief said to him is just run eighty percent. Yeah, run eighty percent. Those final couple laps. You know, with with a couple laps, uh, with the last restart, his crew chief came on the radio and told him, "Hey, you can go one hundred percent now." And then Chase said back, I, said back to him, "I don't think you want me to do that. I'll get slower." So I think that was the key for Briscoe is he just kind of slowed everything down and he didn't make a mistake. And that was a key to this whole deal is just don't make a mistake because we saw the two fastest cars, Austin Sindrick and Daniel Hemrick, both make mistakes, which took them out of this race. Yeah, and Sindrick's was early in the race. Uh, towards the end of stage one, Daniel Hemrick all over his back bumper and Hemrick had the faster car. It looked like he was going to be able to get around Sindrick and he just drove it in too hot into a corner and looped it around. Well, then he spent the rest of the afternoon catching up, did rebound for a third-place finish. And then Daniel Hemrick, going back to that chicane rule we talked about in the last segment, late in the race, I believe 10 laps to go, 12 laps to go, somewhere in there, battling with, with Chase Briscoe for the lead, overshoots that chicane just a little bit and has to come to a complete stop and drops from second to about 15th, did work his way back up into 10th. But uh, I think he had a car to win the race, and I'm beginning to think maybe he'll just never win a race. That kid is so cursed. Yeah, and it, the, the interesting thing about Daniel is he's won a lot of big races in the late model world. He just can't put it together on the NASCAR circuit. It's not like he's gone out there and you know hasn't won in a long time. He's he's used to winning races. It's just all, there, there's something always different. It's not like he's doing the same thing over and over again. He he keeps making a different mistake or something completely out of his doing that keeps him him from winning these races. Yeah, he just finds new ways to, to not win races. You go back to his last full-time year in the Truck Series, had 11 top fives, a handful of second-place finishes, but could never get the win. Um, he had a lot of top three finishes. Last year was, was really fast all year, and the Xfinity Series has been just as fast this year, 13 top fives, um, and most of them have been seconds or third, but just cannot, for whatever reason, when it comes down to crunch time, has just not been able to find victory lane. Yeah, and the, the only other two incidents in this Roval race for the Xfinity Series is there was one with, uh, between Justin Allgaier and, and Austin Sendrick, and there was a lap car involved, and Sendrick was just trying to make up for his mistake. Allgaier just came out of the pits. The two got together, and then that collected Ryan Sieg. But if you're Justin Allgaier, you really are enjoying those playoff points you built up to this point because so far the round of 12 for him in this Xfinity Series has nothing has gone right. Yeah, he um, has just not had good luck at all in, in these first two races at Richmond and then at the Roval. And not all of it's been his doing either, but he came in with, with 24 playoff points. He won five races throughout the year, but one of those was encumbered or whatever the new term is for it now, so it didn't actually count towards those. But you take away those 24 playoff points, and right now he's looking, he would actually be on the outside looking in behind Austin Sendrick by about 12 points. So... Yeah, he's really thankful that they were able to peel off some wins this year. 
And if the only driver that felt safe going into the Roval was Christopher Bell with his win at Richmond. He ended up finishing fifth in this race, so a good solid run for him. But again, it was Chase Briscoe that got the win. Justin Marks finished second. Austin Sendrick third. Ryan Priest finished fourth. Bell was fifth. Matt Tift finished sixth. Cole Custer seventh. Kaz Grala finished eighth. Tyler Reddick ninth. Daniel Hemrick finished tenth. And then you look at some playoff drivers. Ryan Reed, he finished 11th. Ross Chastain finished 12th. Elliot Sadler, 14th, Allgaier, 15th, Ryan Truex, 16th, Brandon Jones back in 22nd. So there weren't any terrible finishes, but a lot of guys had some issues. But one interesting thing about Ross Chastain is he just dropped to the back at the start of yeah, the race to try to stay out of everything and still ended up driving back up to the 12th position. Well, and, and I had the luxury of watching qualifying on Saturday, and when watching it, they interviewed Ross Chastain. I think he qualified 16th, I believe. And they said, you know, well, what do you think? He said, I think we're going to start 40th. He said, we're, you know, the, the good run we had at Richmond gives us some comfort. We're, we're going to ride back there. We're just going to let everything play out. We don't want to be a part of the mess and, and spend all day from behind. And he's able to rally for 12th, does lose some points uh, ahead of the cutoff, but he's still in front of that cutoff going into the final race. And uh, just kind of an interesting strategy there by that crew. I do want to point out though, I think the most imp- the two most impressive runs for me this weekend, other than Daniel or other than Austin Sindrick, is Ryan Priest quietly finishing in fourth place. I mean, didn't have a super fast car all day. Um, I didn't even realize he finished fourth. I looked at the results afterwards, and then Alex LeBay, fin- I, he finished thirteenth. So when you look at, it, you might think, oh well, whoop de doo, he finished thirteenth. He broke an axle on about the second lap, stalled on the track, and brought out the caution and was able to rally back for a 13th place finish. I don't know what they did back in that pit area, because generally when you see axles flying out of hubs of race cars, that generally means your day is done. And I don't know if the, 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 the hub cap on the, you know, the, the, the drive hub on the, the, the side that the axle came out, I don't know if the, the cap just came off and the axle slid out, and they said, you know what, everything looks fine. Throw another axle in there, put, the cap, put another cap on cool. and keep going. Because a lot of times when axles are flying out, that generally means you broke a whole lot of stuff yeah. in the rear end. But obviously he didn't here, and, and that was just a lucky break for that 36 well, car. And I read a story on it that he said he felt a vibration, and he thought, okay, we have a loose wheel. So when he tried to get back on the gas, it just basically put itself in neutral, and the, the axle popped out. But he had qualified really well, finished second in the first round of qualifying, started fifth in the race. And honestly, if not for a broken axle or – the axle, whatever, because it didn't obviously break, but not popping out on lap three, he probably has a top five or top ten car. So uh, a good run for him and uh, an inter- interesting day for him as well. And then when you look at the playoff standings, Christopher Bell is currently locked into the round of eight. Daniel Hemrick sits 30 above the cut line, so abling, uh, was able to salvage that 10th place finish, still stays 30 above the cut line. Tyler Reddick, he's 21 to the good. Cole Custer, 14 points. Matt Tift, 13 points. Elliot Sadler, 11 points. We've already talked about Justin Allgaier, the surprise. He's 11 up. Ross Chastain, he's 9 up. And Austin Cendrick, he sits 9 back. And then the three drivers that are going to have a lot of work to do at Dover is going to be Ryan Truex at 24 back, Ryan Reed at 25 back, and Brandon Jones at 28 back. So, Trevor, when you look at these playoff standings, you really got to think Austin Cendrick at this point is the only driver that's going to have the ability to, to jump in to the top eight when we get to Dover. Yeah, Ryan Truex always runs well at Dover. It's his home track. I don't know if they have the speed to really be a big threat there, but I think Cindric is the only one that's got a legitimate opportunity of being able to get in. Um, but it still depends on Matt Tift has been just kind of consistent. Hasn't, I mean, I think he's got two back-to-back sixth-place finishes. Um, right now, unless you're Christopher Bell, nobody is safe. Daniel Hemrick's in a pretty good spot. I mean, something bad is going to have to happen for him to miss out. But, and Tyler Reddick's been consistent enough that he's probably okay. But you look at Cole Custer, Justin Allgaier, Elliott Sadler, three guys that I think have the chance to, to make it to the championship four and are championship contenders. They're one bad thing from happening at, for them at Dover from not even making it to the round of eight. And it, it, with, with the way the, the playoffs work, this is where it gets interesting and this is where it gets fun. And where I've come to really love this format is all the drama that happens at the, these cutoff races. And so that is the Xfinity Series. We'll talk about the Dover weekend a little bit later, but right now, Trevor, I want to continue to talk about the Roval and ask a simple question is, should NASCAR do this again next year? Yes, absolutely. If, if we're going to get another 
cup race like we got yesterday where I don't I don't know what the ratings were for it. I haven't looked at any of the numbers. I'm guessing it was pretty good. Like I said, that was the most excited I've been for a non-Daytona, non-Homestead race in a long time. And I watched just about all the race. Not quite all of it, but probably 85% of it. And it was exciting throughout the whole race. It was interesting in the first couple laps because you wanted to see how they adapted to the track. Um, the stages made it really interesting because there were guys trying to get stage points because they were at that cutoff. And then the, the last 10 laps were just bananas. So, yeah, I think they should go back. I, I would be disappointed if they didn't. And I, if you're NASCAR, one, you've, you've put a lot of money into making the Robo look nice. Yes. There, there was a lot of stuff there they did to make it look like a, a real road course. Two, I, I'm someone that I don't think you should ever – you should always try something twice. You know, if it's, if it's food – you're trying a new food, you should try that twice. If you're doing this, you should try the Roval again. Even if fans are saying they don't like it, which I have yet to really see that, I think everyone was like, this ended up being a good thing. Through practice, you were concerned that it was just going to be a pure wreck fest and there were going to be like 12 cars that finished this race because no one would even be able to – they couldn't stay off walls themselves, so why would they be able to stay off walls with other cars on the racetrack? But we already saw them make some of the adjustments. They, they moved the wall on the, the bus stop. That was causing some problems. You know, it's the first time. They're going to learn things. They're going to – I wouldn't be surprised to see a configuration change uh, with, with some of the things to maybe open up some more passing. One thing that I, I would personally like to see, and I don't know if it would be the safest thing to do because of – the way they have to put the walls in turn one, but get rid of that front stretch chicane so there's more of a passing opportunity going into turn one because the way the chicane works on the front stretch, you've got to go to the outside on the oval, and when you're picking up speed on an oval, that's not the place to be. So then that that makes it really difficult to outbreak someone going into the chicane. So get rid of that chicane so you can come off of turn four of the oval, get to the inside of someone, and then outbreak them going into turn one. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they'll go back to the drawing board and say, okay, what can we do better? You know, what what can we change? But I would be shocked if they don't go back to the Roval in 2019. Um, what they should do, and this will never happen, is make the Roval the round of 12 cutoff, make Talladega the round of 8 cutoff, and let's just have pure madness to see who gets – or round of 16, round of 12. Let's just have pure madness just to get to the round of 8. Let's do it. Yeah, that, that would be that, that would be fun, and if you – Here's an idea. You put the Roval and Talladega in the same round. No, you got to make them cutoffs. Gotta make them, that wouldn't be a bad idea, but you got to make them cutoffs. Yeah, so we will go ahead and take a quick break here on the left turn, and we didn't want to talk about this at this point, but so much stuff has already happened. Kinda hard when we get to. back, we're going to talk about the silly season in racing. Welcome back into the left turn. Jacob Blair and Trevor Mater with you. We also joined yeah, we by have a friend, but he's yeah, going to remain silent. Kramer Sandstone has joined us here in the studio, good. but he's just going to he's just going to chill. He, he's not going to yeah. say anything. But we don't want to turn his mic on. No. That would be uh, bad. So now we're going to talk about something that we really kind of wanted to wait to talk about until after Homestead, but too much stuff has happened. So we're going to go ahead and update everyone on what's going on in the world of racing and what we call the silly season. It's similar to free it's, agency in other sports, but this year it's been... It's been it's, silly. Yeah. It's been really silly. Um, yeah, and it's kind of... Normally you don't see it in September. Normally you wait till... I always say around Martinsville weekend is when it kind of gets a little bit crazier. And I mean, this year just about everything's already kind of in place for next season with the exception of, of a handful of, of things. But I know you've got a whole list of spots we're going to run through. Yeah, there's a lot of openings available and there's a lot of the smaller teams that those guys don't normally get finalized till way before yes. the season starts so we're not going to talk about those teams but the, the first big news that dropped that it was martin tricks jr will not be back at furniture row racing is that team will be dissolving at the end of the season so the the, the belief is he's going to be in the 19 car that, uh, of daniel suarez suarez will go to the the 95 car and that uh, Divine Family Racing will switch over to Toyota. None of that is confirmed at this point. That is just kind of what the, the rumors are out there right now. That was the first big news to drop. And then after that, everything has really just cascaded and, and become a mess. Yeah, it really has. Um, yeah, that's been a couple weeks now that it was announced, okay, Furniture Row is, is folding at the end of 2018. All signs point to Truex going to Joe Gibbs, Daniel Suarez replacing Casey Kane at Levine Fenton Racing. And... Uh, 
then yeah, since then there's been three or four different spots that have been finagled around with in the Cup Series level. And what we know right now is that Matt DiBenedetto will not be in the number 32 car. So that spot's going to be open as he's looking for a ride. But unfortunately for him, a lot of these spots are starting to fill up. We also know that Jamie McMurray will not be back in the one car at Chip Ganassi Racing. And then there's still questions about where Kurt Busch will go in that 41 car. The belief is he will not be back at Haas, but again, that is not confirmed. And this is the the issue with silly season is people start throwing stuff out, yep. and a lot of times it generally ends up being true, but they wait to report it. So, those but you think even last year they said he was going to be out, and then he came back. So, I mean, it, nothing is confirmed with him yet. I look for Jamie McMurray personally to retire. I don't know. There's going to be much of a market out there for him with a competitive rev. Although he did finish second this week at the Roval by just driving around and not wrecking all day. Um, but I, I look for I look for him to be done after this year, much like Casey Kane is. Yeah, and so that was that. That really wraps up what we knew before this last weekend, yes. and then some more stuff. Quite a bit this, more. Uh, this last weekend is Ryan Newman. It first came out that he would be out of the 31 car after the end of this year, and then quickly it was said that he would then be at Roush Fenway Racing in the number six the, in the number six car and take over for Trevor Bain. So now Trevor Bain and Matt Kenseth. Are not looking at a ride next season, and I think now Ryan Newman is drove for about every major team except Rick Hendrick and Joe Gibbs, and he never will. I mean, because he's been at Stuart Haas, he was at Penske, he's been at RCR, now he's going to Roush. Um, yeah, he's drove just about everywhere. And then Richard Childress Racing spent very little time waiting before they announced Daniel Hemrick would be stepping up to the Cup Series to hop in that 31 car. And I don't think that should be a surprise to anybody. I think the only other move you could have thought maybe they would do is move Ty, Richard Childress's grandson, Ty Dillon, to that 31 car. Um, but I, I don't know that – I've always thought Ty is maybe just a tad overrated, much like his brother Austin. And uh, Daniel Hemrick has shown consistency in, in the Xfinity Series level, even though he hasn't got a win yet. I know we talked about that earlier. He ran this weekend in the Cup Series race to the Roval and had a top 10 going until he got caught up in that mayhem on the, on the final restart, the next to last restart. But, uh, yeah, Daniel Hemrick going to move up to the Cup Series in 2018. It'll be interesting to see if he can continue the consistency. Yeah, and if you're Richard Childress, I think that is the, the right option to put there. I think that's the, the good move to move Daniel up. I think he's – I know he hasn't won, but I think he's ready to move up, and he's shown that a little bit when he's made his couple starts in that – eight car well in wins in the expanded series don't always mean success in the cup series um ricky stenhouse jr won a lot of races in the expanded series he's tore up a lot of stuff in the cup series jimmy johnson won just one race in the expanded series he's done all right in the cup series now i'm not saying daniel hemrick's gonna be jimmy johnson that's a little excessive but uh i, I think he's consistent enough and just a well-rounded enough driver that he'll jump right into that RCR car and do just fine. And then one of the other pieces of news that dropped this week, and one that honestly surprised me a little bit, is A.J. Allmendinger is out of that 47 car with uh, JTD Doherty Racing, and Ryan Priest will be making the move from the Xfinity Series up into that 47 car. Yeah, and I think we'll see A.J. kind of bow out a little bit, maybe do some part-time stuff, be one of those guys that maybe run some of the the road races for for the upper tier Xfinity teams, like we've seen, we've seen Michael McDowell do. Um, we've seen other people do in the past. Juan Pablo Montoya did it for a while, and uh, I'm happy for Ryan Priest. That's a guy I've always been really intrigued by. Um, up until he was able to get a shot with Joe Gibbs a couple years ago, hadn't always had the best rides, and he's in just a handful of starts, he's taken advantage of the opportunities that in 14 starts over the last two years with, with Joe Gibbs Racing. Nine top fives, 11 top tens, and two wins. So he's shown that given the right situation, he can take advantage of it. And hopefully this is that for JT jo JTG Doherty Racing. And then another interesting component with Silly Season, and one, one car that is a little bit interesting is the 23 car. Is that charter will be headed to front row. And then that is a question of GMS has said several times now that they're looking to try to move up to the Cup Series. And so that that's where you, you know, in my opinion, would be a good fit for them to go is go work with with front row to work themselves into the Cup Series and help with that twenty three car. And the and the thing is too is if they move up is Spencer. I mean, obviously they're going to want Spencer Gallagher to be the guy. I don't know that Spencer Gallagher is ready. 
to be the guy. I mean, what do you do there if you're GMS? Well, if you're, you're GMS too, you haven't really put together a successful Xfinity program yeah. yet. So I, if I was them, I would spend another year and run a two-car Xfinity program, move J.J. Haley up, and then run Spencer Gallagher as your two drivers and get a, a solid Xfinity program going with your truck program and wait another year, then hop up to the Cup Series. But I know they, they want to get that Cup Series program rolling. So I got to thinking this weekend while watching the, the Xfinity Robo race, um, as far as that 41 car, uh, Kurt Busch is probably going to vacate at the end of the year. What I personally think will happen, and it doesn't matter what I think, is I think Kurt Busch will go to Chip Ganassi and fulfill that role that Jay McMurray's in. And does Cole Custer, is Cole Custer ready to move up to the 41? And if so, does that open up the door for Chase Briscoe to get a full-time ride in the Xfinity Series? If you're Cole Custer, I don't think he's ready but I think you have to go ahead and move him up just because of the time frame. It's going to be you, – you're, the, the seat's open now, and, you know, you, you can, can go ahead and move him. He's good enough. You can move him up, and, and he might need a couple years in cup before he really becomes what he I think he it's kind of like the, the William Byron situation. I don't think William Byron was quite ready. Yeah, but the, the seat opened up, and it was – Daniel it was, Suarez. Yeah, and it was time to, to move these guys when those seat, the seats open up, and sometimes it's just bad timing – one thing I would like to see, and I doubt this will happen because Christopher Bell is kind of locked in with Toyota, is see him go to the one car to be teammates with Kyle Larson. That would be really interesting because those guys have been teammates in, in midgets for a long time and with Keith Coons Motorsports. That would be, to me, something cool to see that I doubt will happen. Yeah, Chip would have to repair a lot of stuff, and I don't I don't know that he's committed to, to doing that. The two we, guys that would tear the right sides of well, race cars off just running the wall. And we've always seen with Chip Ganassi is they can never have two really fast cars. You think back to when Juan Pablo Montoya was having success early in his career. Martin Truex's program wasn't where it needed to be. Then Jay McMurray comes along, Montoya falters, then Kyle Larson came along, he's had success, and Jay McMurray's faltered. I would like to see that, too. I still wonder if – I think Tony Stewart's really high on Christopher Bell. Maybe there's a way he ends up in that 41 car. Um, I know they've ran sprint cars and stuff together as well. That's what I would like to see. But I think maybe Cole Custer does get the ride, given that his father is an executive at Stewart Haas Racing. And then maybe that opens the door for a guy like a Chase Briscoe to slide into a full-time ride in the, in the Xfinity Series. That would be good for Briscoe and, and hopping in that double zero car. And, and Ford's committed to the, the driver development program. We've seen them give Cendric Majeski and Briscoe those opportunities in the Xfinity Series. And of those three, Chase Briscoe is now clearly proven yes. he's the one that deserves a full-time ride. And if you do move Custer up, you slide him into that double zero car. Cole Custer, he has run some cup races in that 51 car and gotten help from Stuart Haas. From Stuart Haas and at Richmond, he, he proved in qualifying at least that, that he can you know get some speed out of those cup cars. Custer reminds me a lot of, of Daniel Hemrick so far where you look at this season, he's been consistent all year. I mean, that was my championship pick going into the round of 12 just because he hasn't really ran bad anywhere this year. And uh, I, I would like to see him get, get, a, get a shot. It's good to see Ryan Priest get a shot. Um, Christopher Bell, I really wonder how much longer Denny Hamlin has at Joe Gibbs Racing. And I wonder if Christopher Bell's not the guy when Denny Hamlin uh, leaves Joe Gibbs Racing, maybe after the end of next year. And I think with Denny Hamlin, it comes down to what FedEx wants. And I hate to say that, but when, when you've got a sponsor as committed as FedEx has been, it, it kind of comes down to what they want and who they want in that 11 car and if they've got a partnership with Denny and he can maintain that sponsor it's going to be hard to see Hamlin out of that 11 car but where Hamlin seems to be trending right now you, you've got to think that maybe they hold Bell one more year and then put him in that 11 car yeah that's a strong possibility and there's also been some movement in the Xfinity series as well I know we were kind of want to talk about yeah as, uh, we know Elliot Sadler was to retire at the end of this season and that opened up the one car and I was I was before any news came out was hoping that maybe that's where Matt DeVenedetta would end up he dropped down to a full-time Xfinity ride but it ended up going to Noah Gragson as again Chevrolet is going to steal one of those Toyota drivers yeah we've seen them do that a handful of times they did it with William Byron a couple of years ago when he was at Kyle Busch Motorsports and then he ended up racing a year at Junior Motorsports before moving on to the Cup Series now and there's been a handful of other guys that they've been able to to do that with and that kind of brought the question to me. Noah Graxon's a young guy, I think 20 years old, uh, 21 maybe. 
Um, obviously has a lot of talent. He kind of reminds me of like a Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson type guy where he's going to tear a lot of stuff up, but he's going to win a lot of races. Um, does that put him in a situation down the road where maybe he's the guy that replaces Jimmy Johnson or Rick Hendrick? I, they, that might be the first attempt they have at seeing if or he's the Or does Junior one. Motorsports eventually go to the cup level? I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Dale Jr. go up to cup racing now that he's retired, and I think that's the next progressive step. And it, But if you're, you're Hendrick, you've been using Junior Motorsports as your development organization up till this point. But I don't know if Noah Gregson's the guy at this, where, where he sits right now, and, and he's young. He wrecks, at least with Kyle Busch, he, he wrecks a lot, but he wins a lot. And, and we've seen that not necessarily be the best way to, to earn a cup ride, but that comes with being young, and is, as he gets older, maybe they'll calm him down there in the Xfinity Series. And I, I don't know if he's the guy, but he's the first attempt they're going to look at to see if he's the one to replace Jimmy. Yeah, he's. I, I think he's definitely one of those guys that uh, has a lot of potential going forward. What other truck guys, when you look at the guys in the truck series, do you think maybe have a potential to, to move up down the road? Well, right now, I already mentioned J.J. Haley. I think it would be wise for GMS to move him up because the last several weeks he's shown that, that he's ready. It, when you look at the trucks, the truck series, I, I like a guy like Grant Enfinger. He's a, he's a lot older. I mean, he's already in his 30s, but that, that's a solid guy you can put in, in your Xfinity car that, that'll put some speed in there but really when you look at a lot of the the truck guys is it's a lot of guys that started this year you got guys like todd gilliland who's gonna need another year in trucks before he's ready mm -hmm. to go someone like harrison burton that they're, they're Myatt just snyder those guys are just getting their their truck series stuff going that the one other one i look at is maybe ben rhodes is, is grabbing ben rhodes and He's in the uh, Thor Sport Ford now, and maybe he's someone that fills that slot. That if if Custer moves up, Chase Briscoe gets a full time ride. Well, then you you've got that that sixty and that ninety eight car. You've been running some guys with maybe Ben Rhodes is someone you start running in the Xfinity Series. Well, and you've got the question now too with Daniel Hemrick moving up. Um, does RCR do they go back to a two car team with just I'm assuming Matt Tift and then that three car that's been slow all year? Or do they try to elevate somebody up? And if so, who is it? Is it a guy like a like Brett Moffitt? Um, who had Matt Benedetto? That'd be a good fit for Matt Benedetto. I mean, it's it's already wild, and we're still five month, four months away from the 2019 season. The 2018 season hasn't ended yet. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot that is gonna fall into place, and I think I think it all stems around that 41 car. Mm -hmm. Is when the news from the 41 car drops of is Kurt Busch gone or is he here? The consensus right now is that he's out of the 41, but. We, we like we said we talked that maybe he was out last year he came back he could come back for another year just to fill the seat until cole custer is ready but if custer is the one that, that moves up then i think that drops everything else into place to see a, a ton of movement between the xfinity to cup series cup drivers dropping back truck guys moving up there, there's going to be a ton of movement if custer is the one to move up into the 41 car yeah it's about to get even crazier and that's just NASCARs. There has also been uh, some IndyCar news over the past couple weeks of the start of their silly season. And the good thing for IndyCar is nothing real big in terms of big names has dropped yet. But uh, one of the, the big pieces of news that came out a couple days ago is Ed Jones is out of the number 10 car for Chip Ganassi Racing. And Felix Rosenquist will be the guy that hops into that 10 car. And he's been running Formula E the last few years. Uh, so that that's an interesting move from Chip Ganassi Racing. Yeah, and Ed Jones, it's just I always thought he was kind of an odd fit for that Chip Ganassi car. Um, you look at some of the other guys that have had that car in the past, uh, Dan Weldon, um, Tony Kanaan, Dario Franchitti. I just never felt like Ed Jones was quite going to be able to get on par with that program. And it wasn't given a ton of time, but uh, I want to see what Rosenfisk can do. I just like saying that. It's kind of fun to say it. Yeah, he's a guy that, that's, that's jumped around a lot over there in the European and European side of things, and, and now we'll make the move over. Uh, the, the cool thing for IndyCar is constantly new teams and, and new cars are showing up on the circuit. And as Harding Racing had been running the 88 car with Gabby Chavez, they started running some drivers at the end of the year. Well, they announced about a week ago that they were partnering with uh, George Steinbrenner. So it's Harding Steinbrenner Racing. And they're going to field two cars this year, the 88 and the 8, with Colton Herta and Pato Award. Yeah, and Pato Award's a guy that didn't run all year in the IndyCar this year, but he showed some consistency and uh, put together some, some decent runs when he did run. 
And then Colton Hurd is a, a guy that's got some bloodlines, a young kid, just 18 years old, the son of former IndyCar champ, driver Brian Herda. Um, so he's been around the sports, and I want to see what, what those guys could do. Is the IndyCar series, unlike NASCAR, where you start seeing fewer and fewer full-time teams, with the IndyCar, it seems like there's a, a, a new team or two every year. And this one, this came out yesterday, which this gets really interesting now for the IndyCar series, is Stoffel Van Dorn has been in talks with Dale Coyne Racing, and Van Dorn is a Formula One driver for McLaren. He's out of that ride in 2018 and is, is talking about either going Formula E or going IndyCar, but he's another now Formula One driver that has talked about IndyCar. The one I want to talk about is Fernando Alonso, and that is still the, the big name hanging above IndyCar right now, is you've got a Formula One driver that's retiring at the end of the year that's done an IndyCar test in the one. last few weeks, and he's a guy that can bring – someone will make a ride for him. They don't. He doesn't yeah, need an they existing will. ride. He'll make a ride, and I still, I, I still believe we will see Fernando Alonso full time in IndyCar next year. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, he he ran the Indy 500 a couple years ago and probably had the car to win until his engine went south on him. Um, we've seen Formula One guys try to get rides before in, in these levels. It hasn't always worked. You think back to Kimi Raikkonen tried it with, with both IndyCar and the Cup Series level, but. Um, I, I I think Alonzo will eventually make his way to IndyCar, maybe maybe venture in NASCAR. Yeah, and well, and Alonzo he he wants to win the, the three big worldwide races, the uh, Grand Prix of Monaco, the Indy 500, and the 24 Hours of Le Mans. And so he, the, what it looks right now is that he could be running IndyCar and then the World Endurance Championship. But for IndyCar to get a guy like Fernando Alonzo to come over, would, would make it worldwide. But now that you know you hear a guy like Stoffel Van Dorn who Love is that, looking at, at coming over. IndyCar is making an impact worldwide now, but the, the interesting thing for me is both Alonzo and Van Dorn come from McLaren. McLaren has, looked, has talked about maybe wanting to start an IndyCar team. And again, this is just interesting things that, that come together. It would be really interesting to see McLaren start a two-car IndyCar team with Van Dorn and Alonzo. I don't, that, that won't happen, but that, that would, would just be, be interesting. That would be really interesting. But you go back to many years ago, I mean, the Andretti, the Andretti Motorsports NASCAR rumors were all over the place that, that they were going to get a team and they were going to be the only Dodge program and Marco Andretti was going to drive the car and then they were going to get a guy like Kurt Busch or a guy like Ryan Newman and that never fixated. So if every rumor we heard in the offseason was true, it'd be crazy. Yeah, racing's really bad with their their rumors and the stuff people throw around and we could talk about the silly season forever but unfortunately we're, we're about to time so we're gonna have to cut off that conversation this weekend nascar wah, wah, wah. this weekend nascar will be at dover the cup series will be running the gander outdoors 400 that'll be sunday at 1 p.m on the nbc sports network 400 laps the xfinity series will be running the bar harbor 200 that is saturday at 2 p.m on NBCSN, that'll be 200 laps. It's the cutoff race for the Xfinity Series. The Cup Series will be the first race of the round of 12. So it'll be interesting. And before we go, I do want to mention that Haley Deegan uh, won the K&N East race over the weekend, and she was the first female driver to win in that series. Real quick, who are you picking Xfinity and Cup Series? You're going to put me on the spot. Put here. you on the spot. I think it's going to be Kyle Busch in the Cup Series, and then Xfinity, we will go. you go with Allgaier? We'll go with Allgaier. He'll bounce back. I'm going to go with the guy who I think now is going to win the championship. I'm going to go with Kyle Larson because you don't have the race that he had on Sunday and then not do something with it. And then I'm going to go Ryan Priest to win the Xfinity Series race. So that, give me Kyle Larson and Ryan Priest. That is a good pick, and that will do it for us here on the left turn. Thank you for tuning in. We will be back next Monday from 2 to 3 p.m. here on X. 106.